If you want to break your favorite technical Hey, and welcome to Gizmo Sapien Show 224, which will be the second show of the year for uh, 2023. Excellent. And uh, it's going to be a mishmash like last time because there's been a lot going on and we're, we're going to change things up. We still haven't got all of our YouTube stuff fully figured out, but there'll be a lot more technical content on the YouTube. I mean, we might talk tech here, but it'll just be talking it. YouTube stuff will... We'll do some breakdowns and all kinds of, of neat things there. But we're, it's actually two weeks ago at this point. In February, was, it, we, you knew February was going to be the month where we were going to talk about entertainment. <laughs> because two weeks ago, Star Trek Picard started up its third and final season. And yes. I'm going to tell you right here, there will be spoilers because Matt and I will talk about it. Yes, yes, spoiler alert. Indeed. So, um, I have to say that just like TNG, Picard season three seems to have gotten it right from the first episode. Um. Well, you know, I, I kind of thought second season's first episode or two went really well too, but it was short lived. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think it, they, those were convoluted stories. Where this story is more. Rooted in the, the. Plus, there's a lot more fan service in this, uh, in this season's episodes than, than before too. So a- absolutely. Well, you know that bringing back the majority of the TNG crew, um, is doing that, and you know, and there is, JJ, take note <laughs> when you're paying homage to something, pay homage like like season three of Picard does. So we have an homage to Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan in Picard season three in that we meet Picard's son by Beverly that he doesn't know about. Yes. And so this is just like the whole Carol Marcus uh, not telling Kirk about his son. But you know, it, it, it's been kind of a, a, a really super subtle homage yes but that's the way you do an homage yeah you don't hit people on top of the head you know i mean there have been uh there have been moments in in both uh both the episodes that have released thus far that have been very very rathacom yes very much so um the 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 score uh has had some some motion picture uh, moments to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's had some. It's had some some Rathacon in it. Yeah, and it's had a lot of first contact and and I think insurrection too. Yeah, it has. It has. I mean, in a, in a way, um, the f- first two seasons of Star Trek Picard are kind of a series. You have the same characters. Um, it you know it's one adventure to the you know it's one big story arc and another story arc, but it's all the same characters and it's all contiguous. Season three, although timeline wise is contiguous, the 
a lot of the characters, you know, what we would call the main cast, have changed. The, the only recurring ones really are Rafi, Picard, and Seven. Um, we haven't seen uh, Romulan Elf Boy. Um, I don't know that we're going to see... Although I, I thought we were going to get him. I did too. I did too. Based on the sound effects in that scene. Yes. And I know I know we're talking the same thing. Exactly. I, I thought the same thing. I, and then that made the surprise of who that actually was, was. so much better. Exactly. And, but, you know, we're also getting to relive, you know, and what what is, there? there's some, been some subtle things in the show so far because the reality of it is, is the show, the first two episodes, and the thing is they've been so good, I'm, I cannot, I, I'm like, I cannot not want to watch episode three. Yeah. And I didn't feel that way after the first couple episodes of particularly season one. Season two kind of hooked me because I loved Chris Rios, but, you know, they killed his character off. Well, kinda. by going forward in time and leaving him behind, they killed him off. Yeah, but and then they, they kind of killed off the doctor. Uh, Which. Because she's now the she, board queen and. and she. I, I I struggled with her character anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, finding a use for her after the first season was was a stretch. It was, and same thing with with uh, the synthetic daughters of Data. Yeah. Um, yeah. Agreed. You know, and, and so they kind of killed that off, and and again, that storyline's kind of dead at this point. You know, which it should be. It should be, and so this is a new storyline. It's almost like a new. Series and I was speculating to Matt that um, again, remember we're talking about this show because we've watched it. There are spoilers if you have not watched it. Seriously, put it on pause. Go watch it and to, come back. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was speculating that that this season. I mean, it is the first season of Picard. It was obvious that Patrick Stewart was getting a little long in the tooth to be doing action. Uh, shows kind of like Mark Harmon and NCIS, <laughs> um, but this third season, it's really and they even they even it, in the second episode they they even make comments about it because you know he he said my hands getting tingly mm. and uh, when they were going to have to go in and, and Riker then complains that his knees are hurting and he goes so as long as we don't have to shoot or walk we're okay <laughs> we're okay and and uh, that's relatable to those right, of us who yeah. yeah. And, uh, it, it, but you know, they, I, I think that's the reason that season three was kind of of Picard. I think they're going to end up, this is going to be the setup for another Paramount show that they've been very quiet about, um, that was mentioned a while ago because they talked about the, the show, the USS Titan, which so far the Titan is the Neo Constitution class brand new version of the Titan. Captain by this guy who's a complete moron named Shaw. He's not a real moron, but he he's not my style of captain, particularly of an exploratory vessel. I, I, I will say that um, you, you, being the Kirk guy that I am, to see someone finally slap Picard around mm-hmm. Is refreshing to me because I've always felt like Picard has managed to get away with all kinds of crap that he really shouldn't have. Yeah, but so did Kirk. That's the thing. Although they did, 
make lip service to punishing Kirk, you know. Although it was also kind of entertaining in the second season to, to see that fleet admiral tell him no, too. So Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I think Picard is, is starting to get his comeuppance. Yeah, yeah. Which suits me. Yeah, it does. I mean, but it, it again, it's it's. But I will say I, I am not uh, overly fond of the idea that um, these people who are in positions of power are now either incompetent or stupid. Yeah, me neither. And I'm, or I'm still getting or, that vibe or, or corrupt, and well, I, well, yeah. I get that. Yeah, I get that vibe too. And Shaw, I don't think he's any of those things, but I think he's well, just what, what, very... What What I don't like about Shaw, and I think is kind of against the established norm of Federation Starfleet captains who command exploratory ships. So even when we look at, at Anson Mount's Pike, Anson Mount... Anson Mount's Pike character is, and based on the Jeffrey Hunter character too, they were cautious, but they were risk takers. They just were risk takers in different ways. Whereas Kirk was more roll the dice and, you know, laissez-faire, you know. You're not wrong. And, 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 you know, Pike was, he would weigh all the options and then decide to take a risk. And, and Picard, to some degree, at least early in TNG, was that way as well. Um, but they had established early on in TNG, too, that he was a radical thinker, you know, with the whole stargazer and and all of that. And But what bothers me about Shaw's character is not that I think he's dumb uh, or corrupt or anything. It's that he is such a rule follower on a exploratory vessel where you're on your own. You know, these ships are sent out on their own. And they, um, these guys have to make decisions and make take risks within that. And he just doesn't appear to. He he wants to be super by the book. I also I, I think we're gonna find that there's some personal history there. Wouldn't surprise me if there is not another Cisco moment where we find out Shaw's wife got killed in Wolf Three Five Nine or something. Yeah, something like that. Like that. Yeah. And and he does the the thing they they establish it in the in the show, which is what's so irritating about Shaw to me, is how he talks down to Seven of Nine. Yeah, and she can't be Seven of Nine because the Borg are bad. So you have to be use your real name, you know. Well, which is just more of the I don't feel like he fits the the ideal yeah starfleet captain which you know hey with as many ships as they have you're not going to find ideal people for well exactly people. i mean you know kirk but and pike Riker and picked titan for a reason yes you'd think he would know better yes yeah again i think this is you know by the end of the season we're going to have a show on the titan that may or may not have Will Riker as captain. I mean, Jonathan Frakes is directing so many episodes of Strange New Worlds, Discovery, Picard. I mean, all the series. Even He's even done a couple Lower Decks episodes. Um, 
it would make sense for him to come in and do, even if it's just for one season, come in and be Captain Riker of the Titan again with with Seven of Nine as his first officer, and then he'll retire after the first season and Seven of Nine as the captain. You know, or a couple seasons, who knows? I mean, because then not only would you have your your one of your lead characters as the uh you know, acting in the show, but they would also be there to be the director. Yeah, I don't know about that one. I, you know, of all the people who've come I, back and... I, I, and I, I would much rather they go back in time with Titan and let Will Wheaton, Wheaton be Riker. Yeah. Which appalls me to say that, but I, I think that'd be the better show. I don't know that they're ever going to get to that point. Oh, I, I, I agree with you, because I, I, I don't... I, I think they're s- stuck now, having built out this crew, and they don't know what to do Yeah. Well, with it. Well, if it had just been Seven of Nine, and, you know, and everybody else was new, and, and everybody else on the ship was a no-named ensign, but they named Jordy LaForge's daughter, which... which I'm okay with, to be honest, because if you're going to go ahead and go ahead and do another show, yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, that that allows the next generation to have a next well, generation. Well, and, and you know, Akiva Goldsmith and and uh, oh, what's his name, um, the guy who's who's you know, kind of the the Rick Berman of Star Trek at at CBS now. Um, why can't I think of his name? But there's precedent for doing this this way. They did it with Anson uh, Mounts Pike at, in you know in the second season of Discovery. Of okay, let's let's start. But putting... there was there was a groundswell of support for a a Pike show. I'm not hearing. Oh, we gotta have this Titan show. No, but that's because I think that what they're doing is they're introducing it like this. To see if there is play for a Titan show, and I mean it might even be Titan. It, it, they, it, you know, but they're they're putting a cast together um, that is obviously you don't name a character unless you're going to use them for multiple episodes. Well, well, I get that because well, first of all, LaForge's daughter is being played by LeVar Burton's daughter. Daughter, yeah. This exactly. is an opportunity to have one of those historic moments that Star Trek is always known for. Yeah. Of bringing in LeVar Burton at some point, which we already know is going uh, to happen, and there will be a scene together with them. Yeah. And that's the whole point behind naming her character that. No, absolutely. Now, absolutely. But do they give. Do, do they then put her on the new crew of a new show? I don't know. Maybe. I would think so because, um, you know, so let's go back to, to D- Disco, uh, you know, second season, which has been the best season of that show ever. Okay. Um, but, you know, when they introduced, they introduced Pike officially. At the you know in the first episode of the second season, and then we had to wait a couple. We, we they talked about Spock, Ethan Peck Spock. Yep. And we had to wait a couple episodes for him to come into the the well, show. I, I think Discovery had to earn Spock. Yeah. 
uh, Pike is is Pike, but Spock. Yeah. Well, yeah, is I mean, Spock. Ethan Peck's character was it was it was a harder play. It was okay. How do we bring somebody in who's supposed to be continually, continuity wise, yeah. earlier than Leonard Nimoy, yeah. and still make it believable that you suspend your sense of disbelief and it you think it's the same character? And I think he's done a great job. Uh, the character who I I struggle with, but I love her character on Strange New Worlds, is Chapel. Oh, yeah. That's because weird. in TOS, Chapel was never developed enough that she was... She had she had one episode in three seasons where we learned about like her fiancé who had disappeared and and all that. Otherwise, it was, here, Doctor. Thank you, Doctor. And, she, yeah. you know, she was the computer voice. <laughs> and... Uh, you know that 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 was it. So yeah, I understand in Strange New Worlds they're developing this character out more, um, but at the end of the day, it seems out of character for her character. The way she's being portrayed, correct? Is because she really out of she's, character. She's for yeah, she's much more outgoing and less reserved. And Unless more. something happens uh, along the way that would cause her to to go inward. Uh, yeah, I'm finding her character awfully yeah. uh, unbelievable. The Ahura character, I, again, another one, even though she was a named character on the on TOS, Ahura did yes captain, no captain, and she had a couple of moments. She had more, far more moments in the three seasons, like, you know, the interracial kiss with, with William Shatner <coughs> as Kirk, um, and stuff like that, but her character was really more developed in the movies, yeah. You know, than than it was the TOS show. So, so far continuity wise, I don't find Ahura to be dip. You know, I, I think it's like like Ethan Peck Spock. I find her character to be much easier to go say, oh, that's what she became five years later, and you know, and then then you have Nichelle Nichols portrayal of, of Ahura through all the movies and stuff and you know where they really developed the character out um, no I haven't had any really big character moments for Uhura where I was like no nah, that's that's not out of character for unlike me. Chapel yeah no yeah. I'll give you that yeah and I you know I, I do have to make my comment again I, I loved Hemmert Hemmert was was probably my my favorite non-Pike character I mean, I like I like Una. I do too. But I. Well, I will say this: they have not developed that because it was secretive that she was Illyrian. Yeah. Um, they have not really developed her character out too much. There hasn't been any episodes where it's like the story. She's either a, a super main character in the story, or the story was focused on her. I mean, they kind of had that one where. It affected her, but they there was not a lot of character development for the Una character there. Um, well, there's gonna be a, there's gonna be in this next season. Yes, absolutely. She's they gotta go get her. So yeah, no, and and, and that's good though. I mean, you know, with the way they do, uh, you know, these seasons of of ten to twelve episodes, and you know, at one hour a, a pop because they they really are an hour because there's on streaming. Yeah, there's no commercials. I mean, unless you're on Hulu. 
Well, I'm or not, you pay for the Paramount that doesn't have. Uh, yeah, I, I I need to make that upgrade. I, so far, it hasn't really annoyed me. Uh, the commercials have been short, thirty seconds or less. Yeah, and we're right back in it. It hasn't been that that. Well, bad I've always had me. the Paramount without the, without the commercials because I hated it so much. But uh, so it doesn't. Hulu is not terrible. I can watch shows on Hulu. What's getting bad is YouTube. You, you you get in you get into a, a a thirty minute YouTube video and five minutes in there's a commercial, and at ten minutes in there's two commercials, and and but the thing is is it's they're all the same commercial. If I were an advertiser with YouTube, I would be pissed. But that's another story. <laughs> um, but taking what we were talking about, continuity with. Strange New Worlds to TOS, which is really weird to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a, a Moebius strip because it's just one continuous side. <laughs> um, but you take that to Picard Season 3, I think they're doing a similar thing, um, which is to develop not a huge cast of characters because we're bringing in, you know, we've, we're, we, again, we have Rafi... Card and Seven of Nine, who've been in all three seasons. And, and technically, Will Riker was in season one, but for an episode. Well, an episode and a half. Um, you know, we're supposed to see the TNG crew all reunite, uh, except Brent uh, Spiner, who played a later Dr. Soong in the first season, and then an earlier Dr. Soong in the second season is supposed to now play Lore. That's the rumor. Which I'd be okay with. And I would too. I'd like to see what happened to, to Lore. Um, but, you know, they're they're bringing back Michael Dorn. They're obviously bringing back. But those are people who are not going to sign on for another oh, yeah. four to seven years of, of Star Trek. Dorn might, but he'd be the only one. Dorn might. I, I think that... Um, but Dorn would want his, his own series. He'd want to lead it. Yeah. Which... I think that that's passed. Well, you know, again, spoiler alert, Worf is in Section 31 as a handler. Yeah. And so is that going to tie into the Section 31? Oh, please. Oh, no. Because they, they no. keep saying that that's still happening. Oh, I'm sure it is, but no. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm putting my foot down. But, but that being said, if you brought, you know, I, I think Jonathan Frakes, just because he is so involved in Star Trek still. See, that's why I don't think he can be a lead. Well, but it could very be much more like the Lorca type of thing where Riker is kind of a background character. Uh, he's a main character, but he's, he's not the lead. See, that and w- seven and nine becomes the lead. That, that, uh... Uh, be or Commander Amica Hansen becomes the lead. I'm not a fan of that either. I don't think she's strong enough to, to lead a show. I just I don't think she's strong enough to lead a show. I, maybe I'm wrong, but that's I I, I or no. maybe we find out some things about Shaw, and Shaw is the captain. <laughs> I, I mean, at some point we got like what eight episodes left of this show. Yeah. Man, he's got to do something that I like. I know. Uh, I I agree. 
I very much agree. But that's where we're at at this point, you know. But it, you know, it, so far this season in two episodes, they've had more action than Star Trek Discovery has had in the last two seasons. <laughs> action that we actually cared about. Correct. Yeah, I'll give you that. Because I think Discovery has gotten to be uh, one of those shows where the action is there not to serve a purpose, but... Just to fill time. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I go back to... I loved the first two seasons of Discovery, even with all the flaws in the first season. Um, the... Uh, I, 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 there were enough characters and enough background characters... Um, Here's my beef with all of that. But, well, uh, no, 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 no. I, I'm not done talking. All right. So let me say this first. Get it out. But so then I can fix it. But you know, you had Lorca and you had Ash Tyler. Um, you could identify with those characters, even though they bid, did the big twist with both of them. Um, and I loved. I, I still one of my the best character outside of Pike in season two. Has always in that show has always been <laughs> Empress Georgia. <laughs> no, my beef with Discovery but, season but one. The, well, the, go ahead. the problem with Discovery is they they had too many characters. Oh. They just have too many characters. Well, the same thing is going on with Picard. Yeah. Well, that's but which but, is why they they did what they did last season. Exactly. But. Did they learn their lesson? I don't think they did. We'll see. We'll see. I think a lot of it will we'll see in if they really did learn their lesson in Strange New World Season 2. Um, Picard, I can kind of see. This, la this last season, I can see. Um, because I have a feeling that maybe Will Riker is the only... One who's going to be in the majority of episodes. Oh, yeah. I'm kind of getting that feel, too. Um, so he becomes a main character. But again, that's why I think that they might include him as a, in a spinoff of Titan. Because they made a point, you know, when they're talking to Shaw at dinner and he goes, well, you're a captain without a seat. Yeah. And, and then and earlier in that, when Riker and Picard were in the bar... Um, you know, Picard goes, well, you're, you're Starfleet's elder statesman. You know. Um, so that all kind of ties together, you know. You know what's really weird? Mm -hmm. LaForge actually outranks him. He's wearing Commodore's bars. Oh, is he? I didn't see that. Yeah. I have intentionally not watched any of the trailers... You know, because at StarTrek.com, you can go look at the uh, this the episode three spoiler trailer, or you know, yeah. So, Elder Statesman on that. Yeah. That's what sucks about being Picard's number one. You yeah. Never get the rank you're supposed to get. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would make more sense if Riker was a admiral, not a captain, at this point. I would think getting him off the Titan, that'd be the only way you could do it. Exactly. Other than, you know, what yeah. they told us about. His son. Yeah. 
I don't know. But again, that leads me to think that he might be involved in a... You can't see me doing air quotes, but I'm doing air quotes saying USS Titan, Star Trek Titan uh, television series. And, and part of the reason I think they might be exploring that is <clears throat> you had the first two seasons of Discovery, which were uh, prior to the Enterprise. Then they jumped the shark at the end to go way past where we are, you know, in in Picard by a thousand, uh, almost a thousand years. And then you have Strange New Worlds, who's picked up the continuity to go into TOS. And I know that since Picard came out, I think a lot of people, I, I mean, there is some continuity. What happened between the end of the last TNG movie and, and the beginning of Picard, um, which they will probably fill out with some kind of show, which we, that's what we thought originally when they talked about, you know, the rumors for the Titan thing, because that's where the Will Wheaton as a younger, uh, a younger, older, yeah, Will a younger, Riker. older Will Riker. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think you know they might go. Well, why don't we have something you know in this space after Picard? You know, that has a little bit more longevity. I don't know. I I, I think the the successful new shows have. Uh, managed to uh well one know their role yeah you know and, and and two not break their role well we also know that there's going to be in one of the series a crossover with mariner and boimler in as as real you know as their their actual voice actors are going to be playing them and I find it... I've it, heard that's happening in Strange New Worlds. I have heard so, that too, which will be interesting. Yeah, I think that would be very interesting. I don't know uh, what kind of story but, you would have to come but up with. But if I were... Happen. I wanted to tease it. Yeah. And But I didn't want it to affect my surprise that we might be doing a Titan series. Because the thing you got... You know, one of the things I should have looked up is... Uh, you can kind of figure out the availability of actors um, is look up Jerry Ryan and Will, uh, well, Jonathan Frakes. Jonathan Frakes. Um, and see what they're, you know, if they're available or they're currently working projects. Well, I can't imagine Jerry Ryan doing much other than, than what she's doing. Yeah. Jonathan Frakes could go direct anywhere. Very much so, but I think he has a contract with Paramount. Or CBS. Still. Yeah. I mean, you, you get what I'm saying there. No, absolutely, absolutely. Robbie Duncan McNeil kind of has that same deal. He does. He does. Which is a, a, furthermore hilarious because he was not a Star Trek fan in the first place. Yeah, which is weird. <laughs> the only other one who... who the, the one who has who had strayed, and he didn't know anything about Star Trek until he... He did it. He had to go and watch all the TOS and parts of TNG. Was uh, Connor Trenier. Yeah, and he wasn't even a science fiction actor at all. He was more of a a classical stage actor before Enterprise, and you know he's since gone on and done Stargate and all kinds of other things. 
he's made a, a nice niche career out of being a sci-fi guy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He played Michael in Atlantis, and then he was the professor in the, the web series, Origins. So, let's stop talking about Star Trek. Let's talk about some other things going off. Okay. Um, so, one of my funny, th funny things is this was posted on February 1st. Okay. I think this is a, something that gets posted every year. Okay. Uh, but Netflix has said they've unveiled plans to prevent password sharing between people in households outside of an account owner's primary location. Okay. So... Netflix is already having subscriber loss. A oh, lot of, course. of subscriber loss. So we're going to then do the one thing that will probably piss a ton of people off and have even greater subscriber loss. Yes. Because Apple TV Plus, Paramount Plus, Hulu, Disney Plus, none of them are, are complaining about, well, people out of one household are not... I mean, hell, Disney, who's had abysmal uh, subscriber loss, <coughs> is not going around and saying they're trying to count the subscribers three times if they have the, the bundle. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, why would you do this? Because I, I would tell you this, right now, we pay for the, my mom actually pays for it because we, my mom and my aunt and I, we split, um, all the major services and we have we have darn near all of them they're like service like peacock which is not worth having we don't have uh, but we even have both BritBox and acorn <coughs> and um well i think there's there's a there is some sci-fi on on peacock that you can't really get anywhere else battlestar galactica being one but is that worth the five bucks a month just to have access to that? Yeah, no, probably, not. probably not. I mean, think about it. You can probably go buy the Blu-ray set of Black Battlestar Galactica for thirty-five bucks. If yeah. that, it, it may be less because the prices on those big sets now. You can buy seasons of shows, yeah. old shows for like ten bucks, ten or less. bucks or less. And you know, people who are that hard up for Battlestar Galactica will just plug in their old Blu-ray player and. Now, now, Sequest was on Peacock for the longest time, but it's now on Roku as well. Yeah. So I don't feel particularly like I gotta have it. Yeah, I mean, there there are some shows like Friends is on Peacock, but it's also on HBO Max mm -hmm. because they own it. <laughs> and so I have a feeling that Peacock may not own that for much longer. Yellowstone is on Peacock. But which is weird. It is, which is Paramount. But and what's funny is Paramount will has done from season three on. You can you can get Yellowstone. You can even get it on Amazon Prime because Paramount has licensed it to them. Uh, but you can't get seasons one and two. You can buy season one and two on Amazon though, and stream it that way. Uh, and then, but for my mom, I ended up buying season one and two on. Blu-ray or DVD, I don't remember which one. And it was like 17 bucks on both seasons were like 17 bucks on Amazon. Wow. You know, so I was like, okay. 
But see, I think that's part of what's driven the cost of that down is that if you can buy a season for, you know, nine or ten bucks or, or something on a streaming, you know, like an Amazon type thing where you purchase it or Apple TV where you purchase, you can purchase stuff. Yeah. Um, why would you pay more to buy that fiscal Blu-ray or DVDs, you know? Right. I wholeheartedly agree. That I mean, I try not to buy Blu-rays and DVDs. I mean, I haven't bought one in forever. We buy a few a year. Like, they'll put out a new Harry Potter commentary set that only has, you know, like, this commentary with extra deleted scenes that should never have been deleted scenes in the first place. You know, I mean, like, it should never have been called a deleted scene. But it's extra My wife and my oldest daughter have to have it. So we, we end up buying those. The, the Yellowstone was the first one that I had bought. But everything else, I'm like, Phew. You know, and there's so much stuff out there today. I have a hard time if, if I can't stream it. I just I'm like I don't need to see it. <laughs> <coughs> but that being said, why would you? Um, do that, and so I guess. Netflix is testing this outside the U.S. because they know that the U.S. will be the one that they'll lose the most subscribers with. But there's a fact that says that for countries where Netflix is texting extra membership fees for account sharing have tweaked the rules. The Costa Rican Help Center states that devices must connect to the Wi-Fi at the primary location and watch something on Netflix at least every 31 days. And it says the company will use information such as IP addresses, device IDs, and account activity to determine whether a device signed into an account is connected to the primary location. Well, that doesn't make any sense. So I have a kid who's in college in another state. During a semester, she's not here 31 days to connect to the Wi-Fi at home. So you're saying that on her phone and her iPad where she watches a lot of Netflix, she can't she wouldn't be eligible or we'd have to pay extra fees for that screw that i i don't need netflix in my life to be honest netflix for me netflix is one of the most expensive services that it is I'm the paying mo- for it is the most expensive service. and uh i'm not finding a whole lot on it that's worth watching anyway yeah exactly um the, what what has happened is because netflix i mean netflix got they got too big for their britches they they were the first streaming service that was really successful. I mean, Hulu has been around for a long time too, um, prior to Dis- you know Disney buying it and adding it to their bundle. Um, but because Netflix had all these licensing deals for content, there was a lot of what I would call commercial content yeah. on there, not Netflix-derived content. And today, right. the majority of content on Netflix is Netflix-derived content. And may, like any other <clears throat> new content where there, there's two things that Netflix does wrong one they use an AI algorithm to determine whether enough people are watching something but if you have all of this stuff to select and you know a majority of people are watching something else because they haven't seen this new thing or they don't they want to finish what they're watching because Netflix also created a habit within users which is I'm gonna binge if there's a whole season, I'm going to binge, or I'm going to wait for a whole season to come out if you don't put it all out, or I'm going to wait for all the show to end 
So I can just watch the whole show contiguously. Which is really the way I prefer yeah. to do it. And so they will cancel a show. I mean, yeah. they've had some some of their best shows they have canceled because they said they didn't have enough viewership. And I argue that they probably had plenty of viewership. They just didn't wait long enough to see. Because, <clears throat> and then there's all this foreign stuff, which I have no problem with. But it's got to be good. Well, somebody's got to be watching it, too. Yeah. That ain't for me. But, you know, if somebody's watching it, then, then great. But I don't want to. I don't want to subsidize that. Yeah. I want something that I want to watch. And exactly. so far, I ain't seen that on Netflix in a long, long time. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, you know, you look at some of the other competing services with Netflix. Uh, Paramount's a good one. Paramount Plus. Um, <clears throat> because CBS, you know, and Viacom and Paramount have all become one company instead of three companies now. <clears throat> the catalog is huge. You know, you want to watch Top Gun, you want to watch Top Gun Maverick, you want to watch, you know. Uh, and this is why Peacock's also not getting a lot of watching uh, because they're one, they're late to the game. But <laughs> because they were getting content for Peacock from other players like Paramount, things like 1889. 1923, which are, are part of the Yellowstone story, you have to go to Paramount to get those. There's no other way to get them. And uh, what's genius about that on Paramount's part is is that they made they made another network invest in Yellowstone, Yellowstone. to hook them in. Exactly. And uh, you know, so they have a successful model. I, I just. I mean, there's some shows that are still good that I do watch on, but the majority of shows on Netflix are documentaries. Like, they have every version of The Great British Bake Off. You know, the last thing... That's, and I don't typically... Netflix, I have a profile. I bet you if you went to my profile, <clears throat> it would be my youngest daughter who made up everything that... Uh, in there because I don't watch Netflix. I watch it on my wife's account when she has something on, like we've been watching The Great British Bake Off, The Professionals, which has been interesting, but a lot of that's filler for me. It's noise in the background. It's not something I'm actively watching. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, since my mom pays for Netflix and, you know, we share it among the fa our family, if they did some crap like this where we couldn't, you know, they wanted to charge us more. We're already paying for the top tier, which is, they're, again, I pay, I pay for three or four other services and they're, all of their fees combined, and I'm paying the top tier on those too with no commercials and stuff. Their fees combined are less than what we pay for Netflix. Uh, I've seriously given a lot of thought to dumping Netflix Upgrading my Paramount Plus and picking up HBO Max. Yeah, the, those are the the two I watch the most: are Paramount Plus and HBO Max. So, I don't know. We'll we'll see if I actually pull the trigger on that 
I just I want Netflix to like. Netflix was awesome when they had the 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 Defenders. Oh yeah. Saga. Uh, you know they had all those those Marvel shows over there, which you know I get. You know you can't keep can't can't do that. So the the other thing I want to point out too. So, <clears throat> um, as further set out in the guidelines, if the primary account owner and you find yourself traveling between locations, you can request a temporary code to access Netflix for seven consecutive days, or you can change your up you know update your primary location if if it has changed. That is totally stupid. That again, it's a step to keep. You're, you're putting in impediments. People want it to be easy. You, you get Amazon Prime for free. They don't give a crap where you are, how many people are using your account. They, as a matter of fact, Netflix limits how many um, uh, profiles you can have, even on the highest tier. <laughs> you could create 40 profiles on Amazon Prime and they wouldn't care. And again, and and I, that's the other one I, I tend to watch, which is really strange because the one thing I hate about Amazon is how inconsistent they are about putting um, seasons out yeah. every year. Agreed. Like, they Jack put out... Ryan. they Well, Jack Ryan, Carnival Row, Lord of the Rings, if they're going to continue in, who knows. Um, but, but, like, they just put out Carnival Row's second season. I've been watching it. Which has Orlando Bloom and uh, Cara Delevingne mm -hmm. star in it. It's it's a science fiction kind of show uh, made on a made up world where fairies and fays and all of this interact with humans still. Oh, okay, and it's really good and it's kind of steampunky because it's kind of set back into the Victorian era. Interesting. And uh, it's a great show. But it has been like between season one and two have been over two years. I was gonna say I thought this was that that was an older show. It I was. Remember. I mean, I think it was pre COVID. Well, no, it came out in twenty. So it was the first season was filmed in twenty nineteen prior to COVID, and it came out during the lockdown. <clears throat> and so we're just now in the beginning of twenty twenty three getting the second season. Well, really, that's what they did with Jack Ryan too. Yeah. Uh, when. Uh, when I heard they were getting that property, I was pretty excited until I saw how long they were going to, to take to get it made. Yeah. Which, you know, and now they're saying they're done, which to me is silly. Yeah, I know. I, I have not watched the third season of that yet. Oh, you should watch it. So... So another interesting thing that's been going on is a company named Genesis wants to, actually they're not called Genesis, but it's a, that would be a good name for them. Uh, it, it's a company called Colossal. They want to de-extinct species by um, basically doing Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Did we not learn anything from these movies? Uh, evidently not. So th this is in their, their mission statement. Colossal's stated goal is to not simply bring creatures back for vibes. Its contention is that reintroducing its species to the res their respective habitats would restore a certain amount of normalcy to those environments. 
Mammoths died out 4,000 years ago, and that's the first thing they want to bring back is mammoths. Why? I mean, I, I get if there's like a reason to bring something back. Like if bees died out. There's, Correct. There's, there's a we reason. need a pollinator. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason for that. I'm, I mean, the mammoth, I mean, we still have elephants. We still have buffalo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, they, they are also talking about the dodo bird, which was made extinct in 1881. And again, what, what, have yeah. we missed it? Has, has the earth suddenly stopped spinning? I don't know. I, I, I just, so yes, those, those species probably filled an ecological niche when they were there, but something else had moved in, you know, again, I agree with you, unless it's something like, you know, <clears throat> we lose all the pollinators of plants in the world and we need to create new pollinators. I think there's 10 science fiction books written in the last two years on that. Uh, and, a, and a movie. <laughs> you know, um, I don't think that would, that, that's a good idea. You know, reintroducing a Velociraptor and Dilophosaurus and, you know, all these things, <clears throat> it's great for the movies, but in real life, I, I just don't. I mean, would they make for great zoo uh, exhibits? I'm, I'm sure they would. But, but then you have to ask, why are, are we doing this for entertainment or are we doing this for the good of the species? Precisely. Now, I'm, I'm all for, you know, let's, let's entertain ourselves because, quite frankly, how else is government going to do the nasty things that they do without our bread and circuses? Yeah. But uh, at some point, we have to ask ourselves, as 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 Jeff Goldblum did in, in Jurassic Park, uh, just because we can do a thing doesn't mean we should. Yeah, very true. Very true. So lastly, I want to talk about something that I think is totally hilarious. <clears throat> well, we'll talk a couple things that I think are totally hilarious. One is is uh, the fact that, uh, and this is a Wired article, or Business Insider article, um, but people are saying that Elon Musk has ruined Tesla by letting other companies catch up on EVs. And I'm like, <clears throat> one, being in the tech industry, my understanding is that the level of AI driving capabilities um, that Tesla has created is still 10 years in advance of every other EV automaker. The problem is, <clears throat> is I have a feeling they're the only, I won't say that they're not the only ones doing it, but they're the only ones trying to go for full self-driving. My new truck, if I choose to turn it on, or if I use the the cruise control, it has radar in the front grill of the truck. Yes. And I can set a distance. This drives me nuts. In, in my truck, 
And I put the cruise control on and it will watch the vehicle in front of me and it will keep me that certain distance. So if somebody cuts in to that distance, it then drops me back. It'll slow the car down it, and it will actively brake. And it has uh, lane control sensors that literally, I mean, although I don't, I don't trust them because, again, <coughs> Skynet, but um, it, it literally will drive my car down the highway. It'll turn the wheel and follow the road. And um, I had somebody pull out in front of me, and my truck braked on its own because the radar has, a, has an algorithm in it that says that there was a, a dangerous accident about to happen. And so the truck decided that it would brake instead of me. And it throws up these alarms, too, which after the, the first couple of times that it threw the alarm on me, which... You, you don't expect your car to throw, like, a red alert sound like the Enterprise. <laughs> and it throws a red alert sound, and then you look at the dash, and it has this thing saying, you know, pre-collision detection activated. And, <laughs> and uh, but they, other people, that's not catching up to what my understanding of what Tesla has been doing. You know, you don't you hear about Ford or General Motors or Hyundai or any of these others who have EV cars out there <clears throat> testing fully automated driving cars. And it's not, they're not doing it. We, we hear about all the accidents and stuff that happen with this, but you're also talking about a very dynamic environment. And for the fact that they haven't had even more accidents than they've had, think about how many accidents happen because of the humans driving cars every day. <coughs> and so, I think everybody else has taken a much more conservative view or conservative way. How can I get this? Because the other thing that wait, Tesla wait. is fighting is they're also fighting both state and federal traffic regulations. When, um, when Tesla gets the ticket yeah. for causing an accident rather than the driver, then I'll let Tesla determine whether or not they can drive my car. Exactly. And not a damn day before that. Yep. That's for me the the beginning and the end of it. If Tesla wants to drive my car, Tesla can get the ticket. Yeah. <laughs> Just send that here's the address. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you. But I actually think, you know, when you look at the big picture But I also don't understand why this is an E V thing, because I'm not driving an EV, no, and no, all no. that technology that, that you just described is in the car that I'm renting right now. It's in the car that I drive, and it's, now, I, I <clears throat> mine's a gas-operated, now it's an EcoBoost engine, but uh, mine's not an EV or a hybrid, and all of that, they're putting that in every car. Everybody is. Because, and it's getting to the point where you can't turn it off. They, they surely don't well, make it easy to I find can, how to turn it off. I can turn it off, but if I turn it off, I don't get cruise control. Oh, see, now that's just <clears throat> wrong. Yeah. That's and just I, wrong. They allow me to turn off the, the lane thing, but unless I'm using cruise control. But the, the radar is part of the cruise control system, so if the radar is not working, cruise control won't work. And that's also tied, the radar is tied into the pre-collision uh, system. How, how, how did we have cruise control before we had radar? I know. Seems like these are two things that, that, that aren't married. 
They aren't, but they've done it in the name of safety. Well, if I... I don't trust government with my safety. Yeah. What makes you think I'm going to trust some corporation with my safety? And again, if Tesla wants to take the ticket, they, they can do that. Yep. But until then, hell no. Come with me if you want to live. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you know, the, the thing you hate, which is the, um, the automated headlights... Oh, I hate that too. Yeah, I hate that. Which I love that on my truck. <laughs> but the same camper cameras that do the lane assist and everything. Now, my truck's a little more. The lower end models, it's just cameras on your vehicle, which is like same thing with a lot of the Teslas. <clears throat> my truck, I didn't have intentionally want to buy all the features, but it was like. You can buy this one or you can wait 12 months to get yours in. <laughs> so I bought the one that That's I That's how get. they get you. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> and so the GPS on the truck is tied into it as well. So it uses the, the uh, cameras for the lane assist and for, like, if there's things in the road that GPS won't have. But the GPS keeps you. It, it's the one steering, turning the steering wheel going, oh, you're in the lane going down the road. <laughs> <clears throat> and I, 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 it's not annoying. I, I turn it off. The the lane checking. The lane assist is is really horrible. It is horrible. Like you barely go over the edge when you're making a right turn or something, and the whole steering wheel vibrates. And God forbid some idiot pulls in front of you, and you got to get around them. Exactly. Because man, <clears throat> it's like you gotta. Oh yeah. Well, and even even the cruise control sometimes it'll turn it off because. It wants to turn a little bit, and I'm like, have my hands on the steering wheel, and I'm like, no, it doesn't need to turn at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it, I, they're convenient. But again, I did have a point where something was, oh, ice got thrown up, a slight slush on in front of the radar, and so it turned all that off. Correct. And it's like, this is stupid. <laughs> Because, like, that never happens in Ohio. Oh, no, or nor any other northern state. And, you know, there's a lot of things about EVs that they, they don't tell you about. Like, they have to heat the batteries the colder it is. So if you, have a, if you live in a, in a northern state where you have a longer winter, or if you live in an area where you have, you can have, even if the winter's shorter, but you can have a really cold winter, like Ohio and other states in the Midwest. Um... The, uh, I do that every time. <laughs> uh, but the uh, the battery life doesn't last because you're one to heat the battery so that the battery continues to work all the time means that you're char you're using part of your charge for the heat that battery heater, and because it's cold, your battery doesn't discharge completely or charge completely. <laughs> it's like the other secret thing that. Uh, they have not been telling people about. <clears throat> so, like Hyundai has that new commercial with Kevin Bacon. Mm -hmm. I don't think have you seen it with uh, for their EV, and it's at him and his daughter, his real daughter, him and Kira Sedgwick's daughter, and they talk about. He talks about, hey, the Hyundai has a three hundred and sixty mile charge, I have and that's that. great. Go look at the base model of that car. All the base model cars 
have somewhere between 120 and 200 miles. So I just filled up <clears throat> this rental that I've got for the week. Uh, it'll go 560 miles on one tank of gas. Yeah. Same thing with my, my truck. So, <clears throat> again, I'm like, so I went from from Dayton to Cleveland back on one tank of gas, and I don't think I could do that in an EV. No. Not on one charge. Well, the other thing you have to understand, too, <clears throat> that even like this business insider, Wired, Ars Technica, some of the more technical, they they actually understand a lot more about what's going on. So a lot of the companies that, like the Boring Company, and, um, you know, which also put out a flamethrower that you can buy. I actually kind of want There's that. nothing boring about that. No. Um, but a lot of the technologies, including Tesla, these are companies that they were... They created because there's this overlap in what they can do. But the real company that Elon Musk cares about is not Twitter. <laughs> it <laughs> is not? SpaceX. Really? Yeah, he seems to be uh, and he seems to be the, all in. The technologies that they developed at Tesla and a lot of technologies they developed at the Boring Company are all because they were doing research to do things that they really wanted to do at SpaceX. And you gotta admit. SpaceX is the bee's knees. I mean, I deal in, I, I work in the space industry uh, on the IT side, but SpaceX, they're the ones who are upending, you know, they're, they're, they, when you talk about um, disruption, they're a disruptor. I mean, everybody loves to hate them, you know, and I think there's a little bit of that going on with Tesla too. There is, but I think, uh, 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 again, it might be fair in Tesla's case because, quite frankly, they're not a car company. No. And that's the argument you and I have been making <laughs> yeah, all they're along. An AI they're, not a, they're not a car company. So the product that they're putting out is, is not supposed to be a car. It just happens to be a car. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, it happens to look and operate like a car, but the key part that they're really developing is the automatic driving. Yeah, because why? That's what makes the rockets reusable at SpaceX. Correct. <laughs> you can't land a rocket on a pad in the middle of the ocean without With a the joystick. Stuff that they learned 1970s Atari joystick. Test. Yes, it's not, it's difficult. It's not. What was that game? Where you had to land the rocket. I it was on remember. the. Yeah, that was horrible. I don't think I ever managed to get that done. But so it's kind of funny. So this this tailgates and this will be the last thing we'll talk about. Okay. So, um, and I'm I'm gonna kind of uh, pick things out of this article to to kind of give a background of this, but. <clears throat> Although government regulations are pushing for a future with electric vehicles only, and some idiots are following suit with the, um, but a lot of the large convenience store chains, which by the way are owned by all the big oil companies, still see gas as the way of the future. So uh, Pennsylvania-based Rudders plans to build 
uh, 50 new gas station convenience stores over the next five years in Pennsylvania. Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia, and Delaware uh, already have 84 new locations. Uh, of the 21 stores that they're planning of on uh, Pennsylvania, they're going to have video betting terminals. They, they call them video gaming terminals, but it's, it's betting. <clears throat> and Rudders is the largest licensed gambling operator in the state of Pennsylvania that isn't a casino. Texas-based Bucky's or yeah, uh, announced in February that they're going to add a dozen new convenience stores through 2026. A bu if you have not been to, I have not been in a Bucky's, but I drive by one in Huntsville, Alabama, all the time. It is massive. Mm -hmm. They have over a hundred gas pump islands, which means they have over. 200 gas pumps and that's just for cars and and passenger trucks that's not for the diesel semis and everything in the back um <clears throat> they're planned for the new buckies are planned in auburn alabama Sevierville, tennessee which is Sevierville is is right next to good old gatlinburg hillsborough texas smith grove kentucky springfield missouri johnson johnstown colorado and born texas uh, those convenience stores are estimated to sell 80% of the motor fuels purchased by consumers in the United States by just those two chains. And they're not the only ones. Um, oh, uh, Wawa is going to open 50 new stores um, in Florida, Alabama, North Carolina, and Tennessee. Wawa is like Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in that area. Mm -hmm. So if you watch the Goldbergs, they talk about going down to the Wawa a lot. Yeah. And Wawa is another one. Like They're not as big as Bucky's by any means. but They're pretty big. They're pretty big. Um, we were in southern Tennessee and got off <clears throat> the highway to get gas, and it was a Wawa. I was shocked. I'm like, this is weird. Hmm. <laughs> you know? And... Uh, it was huge on the inside compared to, you know, most convenience stores. And they had tons of, of, uh, uh, of pumps, a lot more than, than most uh, gas stations do today, you know, that, that we deal with on a, and, I, you know, <clears throat> we live in the area where we have Speedways and Thorntons and, you know, that have 30 pumps. And all these other news stations are coming out, and they have a hundred pumps. <laughs> there's a there's a uh, a Circle K right there by the base uh, that is probably close to that. Yeah, well, and you know everybody's rushing to put EV stations in, but not at gas stations with convenience stores. Where the EV stations are going are like your Kroger's parking lots and Myers and. <clears throat> um, Locally, Dorothy Lane Markets. <laughs> but the DLMs have had them for, at least the one in Springboro has had EVs. They have both regular EV chargers and they have Tesla chargers. But I know the Myers up in Huber Heights has a Tesla charger, has Tesla superchargers. <clears throat> but that's the kind of funny thing is that's, you know, EVs, that's because you need more than five minutes to fill your tank. You know, so when you, you go somewhere and, and there's, there's a lot of uh, the eight bit guy who's out of Texas, and he he's a, a retro computer guy. He worked in the computer industry uh, through the eighties and nineties and two thousands and stuff. And he's got 
a lot of followers on YouTube. He went to a retro computing convention in Illinois and drove his EV. And him and his wife, he talks about in the video how him and his wife had to plan things. And the, like when they would, well, one, they had to plan where they were going to stop. But then two, they had to make sure that where they stopped was either at their hotel or at a restaurant where they had planned to take a break to eat lunch so that they could get enough charge to go to the next place. Correct. Which is why I think if the, the EV thing is going to really go, it's not going to be these these like little stations. Yeah. It's going to be every parking spot everywhere. everywhere. Yep. It's going to have to be tied into that. And I just don't see that happening. No. Not, not in the timeline that they want to do it in. Well, one, the grid can't handle it. And another thing is... And, and I'm not just... I'm not talking about, like, the, you know... Well, <clears throat> the multiple grids that we call the grid in the United States. There, if you don't know about this, the grid is regionalized. And it's right. regionalized for a reason. That way, if, if the grid goes down in Ohio, people in Kentucky and Tennessee are not affected. They're on a different grid, you know. And they're, they're isolated from Georgia. Now, they can transfer power between them but if one of them goes down it doesn't take the whole united states out which we've had examples of that when back in 2003 when i left working for the air force i was in dc and they had a grid outage that affected all of northern uh, northern and central ohio and and most of pennsylvania and parts of maryland and uh, luckily southwestern ohio where i live was not affected because I was able to fly home, but that that stopped travel because they yeah. <clears throat> these local grids depend, and particularly the the farther west you get, um, the grids are not able to handle. I mean, where I live because I live out in the country, and the the killer part is I live between two major cities, and live in a very uh, outside of a very affluent city. We still that affluent city still has power lines. Mm-hmm. I mean, my power went out the other day, and it, it, it all it takes is a flash <clears throat> because a tree or a branch fell on it temporarily, and it caused a spike in the grid. And all the, you put all these chargers on them, it, it, it's just not going to happen. I, I still to this day have not heard anybody talk about a real viable solution for that very problem. Yeah. And until someone gets serious about it, uh, the politicians can talk all day long about wanting to well, do and this and that what by, they don't, the other, by some artificial deadline. One of the it's other, not going to happen. One of the other hidden costs, too, of an EV is uh, some, some EV car makers, like I know if you bought a Chevy Bolt or whatever their current one is, because the Bolt's not their current one, but they would give you the home charger, but then you had to pay to have it installed. Well, what if you don't have the service to put in a 30 or 50 amp charger, which is what those are? Well, you're shelling out to, to an electrician. Well, and, and good luck if, you're, if your power company doesn't even support it, which I can't imagine a lot of them would. Yeah. Well, think about it. <clears throat> Most large homes have 200 amp service coming in, and you're giving a 50 amp, 50 amps up, you know, 200 amp service, there's only, in most places, two things that will use that service. Or you use a good portion of that service because the rest of it's divvied above everything else in your home. One is if you have an electric water heater. Mm -hmm. The other one 
uh, is your your uh, air conditioning, your HVAC, if you have central air. Because furnaces, they run on 120. Matter of fact, there's 500 YouTube videos showing you how to, in an emergency, be able to run your furnace blower and the igniter circuits and everything off of a portable power station, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, this idea that by 2035, <clears throat> plus a lot of people, a lot more people than, than, uh, the government understands. The government just looks at sales numbers from companies. So I'll give an example. Ford is a good company to, to give an example because the F-150 is the uh, number one best-selling vehicle in the United States. Flat out. I mean, by millions of units. Why is that? Well, a lot of F-150s are purchased under fleet vehicle agreements because they're useful for all kinds of contractors, all kinds of commercial farming, all kinds of uh, commercial uh, companies. Every civil engineering company in, in the United States owns a fleet of, of pickup trucks. And so, yeah, the Lightning F-150 is really cool, but I would never buy one as a farm vehicle. <laughs> you know, because... If I'm out in the field somewhere and it runs out of battery, how am I going to charge it? <laughs> if I run out of gas somewhere, I can get a can. <laughs> you know? I mean, I guess you're going to have to uh, to have a, a portable wind turbine to, uh, to, to like create some electricity for you out in the middle of nowhere. I don't know, man. This is what I keep talking about. No one's talking about solving those problems. Yeah. And they're real problems. <clears throat> well, you know, it, Tesla, to their credit, you know, came up with a mid-range semi-tractor that's electric. And they have sold some to Target. and so I mean, sold quite a few to Target, sold quite a few to Walmart. Um, but the caveat was, is those are mid-range vehicles, you know. And, and you know, there, there's this saying that's, we, we already know carbon credits are bullshit. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. It's bullshit. But all these companies have these, what they call ESG initiatives, which is environmental social governance, mm -hmm. which are total bullshit. Of course. Okay. Um, and I'm not talking about, but, but this whole idea that we have an ESG statement and we have an ESG my understanding is that the problems in in, uh, in East Palestine, Ohio, with the train derailment was because the parent company was cutting corners on safety because they were trying to, you know, follow their ESG initiative. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but that's one of the things that has been... That seems unlikely. Well, but a lot of maintenance on that creates a lot of, train maintenance creates a lot of stuff that's hard to get rid of. So if I run it longer and I'm paying, it, it, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, if I can run the, the trains without doing maintenance on them longer, 
I then don't have as much stuff, so it looks like I'm following my ESG initiative to, to be a good environmental citizen. Well, that's just dumb. Absolutely. But you know what, though? Uh, they, they are talking about federal ESG guidelines, well, rules. Every federal uh, agency has an ESG initiative. Yeah, but I'm, now I'm talking about actual federal law. I know. Which is Who, crazy. <laughs> who's going to enforce that law? The EPA, who can't enforce their way out of a paper bag? I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, why some of this stuff exists is not a good idea, but we're letting the government, well, we're letting the government implement it. This is the problem with, with, I'm not going to go there. I just, I I could go on for two hours this way. The, The free market will make those corrections totally on its own. There might be a disaster or two along the way, but those companies then have to fix it. Well, before they go out of business. You're, and quite frankly, that's the way it should be. You're correct because you know the lawsuits and stuff would then determine, <clears throat> you know, who's liable for all the cleanup and everything. And then preventative maintenance then becomes a thing again. Yeah, that's. That's the only way to get around that. Some, some enviroweenie program is not going to do that. No. The almighty dollar will do that. Absolutely. Well, again, what, if you go the logic of my understanding of this ESG initiative that Norfolk Southern had, <clears throat> that they had an overheating, um, what caused the derailment was one of the the axles overheated okay okay and but that the reason it overheated was because maintenance proper maintenance hadn't been done because esg initiative said that oh we're not doing as much maintenance and when you don't do as much maintenance it was a twofold trick it was i save money and i'm eating my esg initiative until you turn East Palestine into a demilitarized zone. Exactly. But, and, you know, that's the other thing is, <clears throat> so we create, I've never gotten a good explanation on, with EVs in particular, what happens when an EV goes bad. I mean, when you looked at hybrids, like, you know, the uh, the original hybrid, they still had an engine in them. So if the battery didn't work, you're just driving around with a gasoline car. Right. <laughs> Albeit a three-cylinder gasoline car. And I know a lot of people who, are, you know, because they got the big tax breaks for buying the, uh, what was the Toyota Prius? Yeah. When Because it was the real first successful hybrid, I guess. Yeah, and, and quite frankly, it was, it was a decent ride, But I, too. I know a lot of people who are like, oh, to replace the batteries costs this much? I'll just drive it around this gas car. There you go. <laughs> but say they go to crush that car. What do they do with the batteries? I mean, those big lithium cells. So here's another thing. So a lot of these big car haulers, that uh, car hauling ships, um, 
that have been taking uh we've had a lot of fires and stuff there was in the last couple of months i think in december there was one that burned and burned and burned and then finally sank off the coast of like mauritania or something like that somewhere on on near the canary islands uh, east coast of africa okay um and what what they're finding a lot of these operators are finding is that they don't want to take electric vehicles and ship them the way we ship gasoline cars because those batteries sitting in the holds are what's catching everything on fire. Of course. And, you know, what do fire departments tell you if your, your Tesla catches on fire? They dig a hole and they bury your car because you can't put them out with water. And I don't think... Is the foam work? I don't know. To fight those fires, I would venture a guess they they don't. We're gonna go to the power of Google. The Google. <laughs> That's interesting. Because otherwise, I would think uh, departments would have to like start start. St- Stocking it. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I just put in... Here's what I put in as a search criteria. I said EV car fires. The first thing that pops up is Ford suspends electric F-150 Lightning production for another week following battery fire. Okay. Engineers are trying to find the root cause of the issue and make changes to production. Um, another one, and so that that was. This article is from the first article I talked about is from Friday, February twenty fourth, so two days ago. This next article, how much should you worry about EV fires, is from October third, um, twenty twenty two. So how. How common are electric vehicle battery fires? Uh, it says that, um, look at electric vehicle fires to compare the number of fires per 100,000 vehicles sold. Researchers from insurance deal site Auto Insurance EZ compiled sales and accident data from the Bureau of Transportation Statistics and National Transportation Safety Board. The site found that hybrid vehicles had the most fires per 100,000 sales at 3,474.5. There were 1,529.9 fires per 100K uh, gas vehicles and just 25.1 fires per 100,000 sales for electric vehicles. But... So, break that down for me. Uh, what does that really mean? Well, I mean, if... if I, I don't... I find that number kind of interesting. I mean, that if it really is true that it was only 25... Um, vehicles, 25.1 vehicles per hundred, or fires per 100,000 vehicles, that's like 0.00251%. Whereas hybrids, which have been around longer, would be like 0.034%. You're still talking... But even gas cars 
it, it it's like less than half of what hybrids would be. So again, I'm 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 back to asking why but why, why, this why, article, why are we doing this? The article also says lithium ion batteries burn hotter and can last much longer than gas fires, which tends to burn out quickly. Lithium ion batteries can take tens of thousands of gallons of water to extinguish. The National Fire Protection Association notes one EV fire in Texas required more than 30,000 gallons of water after a crash. Fire departments aren't always equipped with trucks and other gear to deal with that. Emergency responders and firefighters must follow different response guides than for gasoline fires and the need to train <coughs> to properly extinguish the blaze. The NTSB, that's the National Traffic and Safety Board, has found many automakers have incomplete or inadequate emergency response guide notes on EVs. Well, shocking. So, these fires also start because of a collision where the batteries get damaged. And the other fires start in charging. That's the two biggest reasons that you get electric battery fires in EVs. That's an interesting. And then lastly. So uh, to, to, to answer the question about the foam. Yeah. Your common fire extinguisher or foam many fire departments carry isn't effective either. Uh, and that's... I don't know many fire trucks that carry 30,000 gallons of, ga of water. Yeah, that's... It, and this thing is saying that it can be typically be extinguished in minutes with around 500 to 1,000 gallons of water. Uh, well, and that's for a gasoline-powered vehicle. Yeah. Uh, one with an EV battery could take hours and thousands of gallons of water. So... Uh, um, these things are going to kill us all. I can't wait till they drive themselves. Yeah. Well, it, you know, the other thing is, is going back to that, that thought process, is EVs, from Tesla's point of view, everybody else is making EVs because of two things. They, they want to be on the bandwagon of, um, we have EVs, um, and you know they 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 want to make sure they're ahead of the game if you know to say that they're playing the game so that people the you know the states who have said no more new gas vehicles after two, uh, 2035 seriously <coughs> that that's just california right there are let them walk yeah. let them ride bicycles if that's it, i guarantee well you're also you, talking about the state who, i guarantee who you pacific gas and electric can't keep from burning the state down so. i i <laughs> promise you they will allow gas cars once they have to start walking and biking yeah. everywhere um don't california my united states is is all i'm going to say there's there's no reason for that None. there are 17 other states Really? Yep. That seems absurd.
Well, I would bet uh, the entire left coast and New England. Probably. I'd get you around 17 states, I would think. The rest of us are, like, normal. Yeah. So, but, you know, I mean, I don't have a problem with electric vehicles. Um, but when you look at the technology today, and again, like I was saying, the Ford, GM, Hyundai, all of them, they're not looking for the future. The other thing people miss about Tesla, and the reason they're they're so gung-ho on the, the, the automated technology, one, it was originally developed so that they could land a rocket, okay? <laughs> But you know they're not stupid. They, you know, well, the more the more practical applications you have for a technology like that, the better. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, but the real application is in self-driving vehicles, and I'm not talking about passenger vehicles where people are driving or you're riding in a passenger vehicle. Although there has Tesla has been dabbling. Part of the reason they're dabbling in that is so that you can now have like Uber or taxi service that doesn't require a driver. But a lot of it is this delivery. Uh, I get that. But again, I, I think uh, the more we start relying on technology and still blame the human, the, the less we should be doing that. Yeah. I mean, again, if Tesla wants to take the ticket... Well, in the case of self-driving vehicles for like delivery vehicles and things like that, um, they would take a ticket if, if they. But I don't, you know, I I've always advocated. So it's really kind of funny. I was always told as a kid that truckers were referred to as as king kings of the road. You know, if you had a flat tire on the road. A trucker who's driving a, a semi would stop and he would help you and and everything and you know they would they would watch out for people because they had a bigger vantage point driving on the highways now my experience as a driver since i was 16 has not, not been so that, much except when i'm driving my big rig that i'm hauling horses in oh i can see that they they look out for you they know i can't move that fast and i need a lot of braking room yep uh they've always they tell me like if i sometimes you know, because you, you have a multi-axle trailer that has uh, two, you know, dually tires on it, and you lose a tire and you not even know it. Yeah. And they've pointed to it and told me I've lost a tire, you know, because that is a fire hazard. <laughs> um, and things like that and, and been really helpful. But I've always advocated that I always thought semi-trucks should have... Um, their own separate, not separate lanes, but separate highway. I'd be okay with that if they'd stay there. Well, no, that that would be the thing. They would have to. And, and part of it is, is, and this is really funny. So back in the late 80s, the California EPA, um, they were looking at causes of smog in LA and other cities. And so they commissioned a study and they found that a typical semi-truck one is only partially loaded. The, the, the average semi-truck is only partially loaded. But that truck in a year does the same amount of damage as 17,000 passenger vehicles. 
And when we talked about passenger vehicles, their definition was pretty wide. It was from, you know, subcompact cars up to to big pickup trucks, you know, like F-350 one-ton pickup trucks. Sure. So they, that got squashed because the Teamsters Union had a lobby group who yeah. had said, got, got some judge to, to say that that's not an accurate thing. And so, it, you know, you can't publish it. <clears throat> but it, it got out because it had been released, you know, in California. Well, to fund a separate highway system, and this would be the same if that, it, 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 to me, if you have people driving the trucks or they're automated. It would actually even make more sense if they're automated. But there's a lot of reasons that semi-trucks with human drivers should be on their own separate highways. That way they can pass each other when they need to. Uh, their taxes should be 17,000 times higher than what we pay to register cars. Correct. You know, to pay, and that would pay for that. Now, people who argue the other side of it say, well, that would make it too expensive for most operators to operate fleets of semis, and where are we going to put, you know, but let's look at the safety issues and things. You know, we, I bet if you go back and you look at all the 20 car pileups and everything else, it's not because somebody in a, a, a Toyota Celica wrecked on the highway <laughs> you know <laughs> it's because a semi is has flipped over and blocked and you can't brake fast enough not to run into it yeah you know and um i can guarantee you that the majority of those multi-car pileup crashes are exactly that plus the cleanup is really heavy high and you know a lot of that is never reimbursed to the state who ends up cleaning up particularly on highways um you know, so taxpayers are paying for somebody else's mistake. Correct. Plus, even the automakers know that semis are not the way to transport stuff. Trains are much more efficient. Actually, the most efficient way to transport stuff in the United States is on barges up and down the Mississippi and the Ohio. Problem is, is you get out west and you don't have that river system to you know, to move massive amounts of stuff. But, you know, it, it's really interesting that we have distribution centers. Amazon's notorious for this. We have a distribution center that's not near a railway uh, because what they do is they bring everything in trucks and then unload it and then they put it back out in other trucks. <laughs> yeah, that's dumb. In Europe, a box truck is about the biggest... Uh, truck you'll see moving material around whether you're in England or Ireland they they don't have big semis and what I like about that is is that you don't have to have a, a, a CDL, CDL class yeah. A or all that jazz you could literally just drive a box truck yeah well I think we're hitting an hour and 35 minutes I think Ooh. we're we're at the end of this episode, so well let us know uh, what you think. Send us some feedback to gizmosapiens at gmail.com. That's G-I-Z-M-O-S-A-P-I-E-N-S at gmail.com. And we'll see you on the digital flip side.
Gizmo Sapiens, a technology and entertainment podcast. You can reach us at our email address at gizmosapiens at gmail.com. That's G-I-Z-M-O-S-A-P-I-E-N-S at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you, and we'll see you next week from the digital flip side. <laughs>